Okay, welcome to Goucher College. I'm Nancy Magnuson, Goucher College librarian, and we're really pleased to have you all here tonight. So Queen Noor's visit to Goucher is presented by the Friends of the Goucher College Library, the Master of Arts in Cultural Sustainability program, the Center for Race, Equity, and Identity, and the Center for People, Politics, and Markets. And it's made possible by the Elizabeth B. and David Allen Robertson Lectureship Fund. The, uh, the program is also part of Goucher College's spring 2017 theme semester, The Power of Storytelling, which explores the personal, creative, and academic dimensions of stories. So please check the Goucher website for, uh, for more information about the events, exhibits, and courses that are being offered. So I want to start by acknowledging and thanking my planning colleagues who have made this day happen. Jacqueline Cast, Rory Turner, Amy Skillman, and Luz Burgos Lopez. There's so many ways of approaching the idea of storytelling, and I'm really grateful that we all had the same idea of how we'd like to contribute to the overall semester's activities, and that we managed to find each other and in the process. So, and we also appreciate the support of Emily Pearl, who has the job of pulling together all of the storytelling activities for the semester. So, we are very fortunate to have with us today Queen Noor, nationally renowned storyteller and teaching artist. She's performed in venues from the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. to Equity Theater on Broadway from the National Black Storytelling Festival to the National Storytelling Festival in Jonesboro. She's been the recipient of many grants and awards for her innovative community-based programs. I first met Queen across the reference desk when she was a student here at Goucher in our Master of Arts in Cultural Sustainability program, one of the earliest students in that program. She also has a certificate in dispute resolution from the Harvard Law School. Queen is the 14th president and a life member of the National Association of Black Storytellers, Inc., which also awarded her its Outstanding Service Award. So please join me in welcoming Queen Noor. It's always a pleasure to be home, and Goucher is definitely home for me. I love this school, and it's uh, really done so much for me. And lifted me in so many different ways. To my right is uh, Dwight James. Can you give Dwight a round of applause? Dwight's from Philly and he's an international jazz drummer. He accompanies me on percussion and I'm very blessed to have him. It's storytelling time. You tell yours and I'll tell mine. Storytelling time. I'll clap your hands, stomp your feet. Get on down, it's storytelling time. You tell yours and I tell mine. Storytelling time. I clap your hands, stop your feet, get on down. I might tell one from down home. Tell those stories all day long. Bust that smile open wide. Telling those stories and little bitty lies. Storytelling time. You tell yours and I'll tell mine. Storytelling time. Clap your hands, stomp your feet, get on down. It's storytelling time. You tell yours and I'll tell mine. Storytelling time. Clap your hands, stomp your feet, get on down. Things, they're different. Things, 
they're the same. Stories can champion change. Story telling time. You tell yours and I'll tell mine. Story telling time. I clap your hands, stomp your feet, get on down. Mr. James, come on. Give it up, Mr. James. It's story telling time. You tell yours and I'll tell mine. Story telling time. Clap your hands, talk your feet, get on down. So this is my official cow tail switch. As you heard, I'm the. Oh sure. You got story Yeah. This is, uh, Rory got some storytelling buttons. Rory's a big inspiration to me. So one of my first classes was cultural sustainability. So this is my Caltail switch. As you heard, I'm the 14th president of the National Association of Black Storytellers. That term ended in December, but I'm forever honored to be that teller. And the person who said that we use the Caltail switch, which comes out of Africa, uh, was right here from Maryland, was Mother Mary Carter Smith. And she's one of the co-founders of the National Association of Black Storytellers, along with Linda Goss. And it was her who said that we raise our cowtail switch to say that we have the authority to tell the stories. So today we're gonna talk about championing change, right? And um, the first story that I want to start with is a story that you might be quite familiar with, I think, you know, because if I ask you who the Lion King is, you're going to say, oh, you're Simba. Anybody else got another name? Mufasa. Anybody else got another name? Scar? So basically, you're telling me it comes from Disney? No! Oh, Disney adapted it from... From, from where? <laughs> from Mali, right? So it's from West Africa. So we know that Disney make movies and they make, they make movies about history, things that happen, but, and sometimes they use people, but for this African story, they decided to use animals. And a lot of people are not aware that the Lion King's name really is not Simba or Mufasa. So I'll go back to the early 1200 where there was a king and his name was Makan Kanfata. And he ruled his kingdom in a mighty way, but he was adored by his people. So much so that one day prophets came to him and they said, King, 
you are going to have a son. And this son will be born to you and one of your wives. That wife will be Buffalo Woman. They called her Buffalo Woman because she had a hunch in her back. And she was very comely looking. Her name was actually Sogolan Keiju. But they said that this child would be born and he would be written down in history perennially as a king of all times. And so this male child was born and he grew to be two years old. But still, he pulled his body along the ground. He grew to be seven years old and still he pulled his body along the ground. He didn't stand, he didn't walk, he didn't talk. And when he was in the marketplace, the people would say, this boy, this boy is going to be our king? And there was one woman in particular who never wanted the boy to gain the throne. You see, her name was Sasuma Berete, and she was the king's first wife. And she felt that it was her son that should gain the throne. And so she ordered the root workers to go into the boy's mother's garden and to steal her fruit, but to make sure that the boy was watching. And when he grew in anger, that was a time to place a curse upon him. So the root workers, they did as they were told. Stealthily, they put the fruit into their baskets, looking for the boy. He dragged himself along the ground. He reached to the vine. And the root worker said, there is no curse that we can place upon this boy, for his heart is much too kind. But Sasuma Berete, oh, she did not like this. And then there was a day that Makan Kanfata, the king, called his son to his side. And on that day, he said, my son, I give to you the greatest gift that I can bear. My son, I give to you the greatest gift that I can bear. I give to you your jali. Say jali, jali. Jelly, Jojo, Grio, Lansana, Griate, Jalimuso, Umwagothi, Umwadithi. <laughs> you have said many different languages for the same thing. I give to you your storyteller. You see, in West Africa, they say that the storyteller sometimes was even more important to the queen. It was the storyteller's job to tell the people in the village what their roles were. Through what? Through story. 
It was the storyteller's job to pass on the traditions and the mores and the values through what? Through story. And to tell the lineage of the blood of the king, of the strategies of war, through what? Through story. And so this king, he had a storyteller. And the storyteller had a son. The son's name was Balafasike. And on this day, he gave Balafasike to his prince son, the one who still lay there upon the ground. And the two, they were close. They were together all the time. Even on the day that the prince's son witnessed Sasuma Barete ridiculing his mother. Your son, your son will never be king. It shall be my son who sits upon the throne. For your son is nothing but an imbecile. He cannot walk. He cannot talk. He cannot even pick fruit from the baobab tree so that you can cook dinner or a meal. <coughs> and so, as he watched his mother, his mother weeped with tears. <coughs> and at that very moment, laying upon the ground, Prince son, witnessing his mother, saying, why? Why can't my son talk? Why can't my son walk? The prince son turned to Bala, and he said, Bala, go to the iron maker and ask him to make me a rod. And Bala Fasike, he went straight away to the Contes, the, the iron workers, and there they fast fashioned an a, a iron rod that was so built in strength that Bala could not even carry it back by himself. The iron workers, the contes, they helped to take it and lay it before the prince's son who was still on the ground. And that prince's son, he took that rod and he placed it into the ground. And one hand, over the other, over the other, he started to stab. And the people, they looked and they said, walk, walk boy, walk, walk Suji Atikato, walk. they had never seen before that he could break such a rod. But there he was, still standing. And when the rod fell, there was a bow bow tree. The Sujata, 
he walked up to that baobab tree that has the thickest trunk that you could ever dream of imagining even seeing. He put his arms around that baobab tree. mother wept with tears of joy. But Sasuma Berete, she did not like this. And that is when she sent Balafasike away. His Jali, she sent Sujata's Jali away to the Sasada king, Somengoru. So Somengoru, whenever he wanted to gain any countryside, he would kill whomever he pleased. And when he saw the skill of this Jali, the way that he played the bards, the way that he told the stories, he said, I will keep him for myself. And that is when Sogolan Keju knew that she must leave Mali. And she took her son, and she took her daughter, and they went to a place called Mima. And there in Mima, there was a king who watched Sujiata grow in strength. But it wasn't long before the people came from Mali and they said, Sujata, Sujata Keita, you must come home for your father. He is an ancestor now. And it is Sumenguru who said he will come and take the throne. Come home, Sujata, come home. And so the king of Mima gave Sujata Keita a mighty army and they boarded the horses and they rode across the plains. But who did Sunjiata see but Bala Fasike, his friend, his Jali, who had escaped from Somenguru. And straight away, straight away, Bala did his job. Jaliya, say Jaliya. Oh, no, no, no. of storytelling. Straight away, Bala did his job, told him of victorious wars and strategies through what? Through story. And then he told him of some of the secrets that Sunjata's sister had discovered when visiting Sumenguru. And he told the secrets that he had learned while he was under the hand of Sumenguru. He told of the strengths, and he told of his weaknesses. So that when Sunjata Keita met with Somenguru at Mount Karina, he poisoned a white rooster feather, and he shot it into the weakest part of Somenguru. And they say that Somenguru, he faded into the mountainside. And that is where he is, even to this day. Sunjata Keita rode home victorious into Mali. 
And there they played drums for them that they had never made for anyone else. The Jimbe, the Jujun family, the Kinkany. They played and they played and they played and they played and they called forth his name, Sujata! Sujata Keita! Sujata! Sujata Keita! Sujata! The Lion King of Mali. So sometimes when we're looking at change and making change and we look and we look at an issue in a community or we look whether it's national, whether it's regional, whether it's national bleeding down into our communities and we're saying we need to champion change, we need to make a difference, the first place we are to look is within ourselves, right? So if we're going to be ambassadors of change, if we're going to use story, we first have to know who we are. We have to know our identity. We have to know if there's something that is paralyzing us, something that is keeping us down from standing up, it's just something that is keeping us from reaching as far as we can to, to take the fruit that is inside of us and to share it in order to make change. Take the fruit that is inside of us and share it as our gift that we are born with, our story to help make change. The first thing we have to do to champion change is to know ourselves. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm going to uh, go on that theme just a little bit more and, um, you know, dealing with ourselves and making sure that we see our gifts because and we have storytellers in the house from the Griot Circle. Yay, yes. And so um, we want to make sure that um, we understand that we have these gifts and we need to share these gifts. Once there was this little girl and she lived in a village and she played games with the other little girls, you know. And well, you know, if there's little girls, there's little boys. And there are little girls and little boys, there's adults. And there's also elders. And in this village, there was this one elder. Everyone called her Elder Mother. And Elder Mother, when the babies were born, she would whisper into their ears. And when the babies grew to be tall babies, Elder Mother would always give them words of wisdom. So everyone in this village said, let's celebrate Elder Mother. Let's have a day just for Elder Mother. And they all agreed. And then the children said, oh, 
Let's make something with our hands. Everyone but this one little girl. She said, I can't make anything with my hands. I can't. It seemed to be true. When she went to, to put buttons on a, on a necklace to, to, to try to make a necklace for elder mother, you know, buttons on a string, they would all cascade and fall upon the ground. When she said, I'll carve, like the other children, she would carve too deep. I'll help, make, I'll help make the quilt, but she would stitch the wrong pattern. I can't do anything with my hands. Each day, she would take her gourd and she would go down to the river and she would fill that gourd up with water and take it back home. And this day, as she bent down to the river, she thought about how everyone was making something for Elder Mother, and still she had made nothing with her hands. And a tear plopped down on the gold. And then it plopped into the river, and all of a sudden, the river, it began to sing. Hold out your hands, child. Open up your heart, my child. Watch the sparkling lights fall as they dance across the water. Wow! She couldn't believe that the river had sung to her. And she went home that night, and she was delightful. She helped use the water to prepare dinner. And when she was asleep, she could still hear the melody. She could hear the melody and the music. Hold out your hands, child. Open up your heart, child. Watch the sparkling lights as they dance across the water. The next day, when she woke up, it was time, it was the day to give Elder Mother the gifts. And still, she had made nothing with her hands. And so she remembered the feeling. She remembered the melody. And she ran back down to the water. And thinking about the words to the song, she took her gourd. And the river, it began to sing. Hold out your hands, child. Open up your heart, my child. Watch the sparkling lights fall as they dance across the water. David, the river song to her again, and this time lights came out of the river like that green that you had on. And she took it. 
put it in her corn. And the red and, and the yellow of the fishes, and she put it into the gourd. And the blue and the white, she put the lights in the gourd. She took her gaylay off and covered the gourd. She held that gourd close to her, and she walked back to the village. And there was a line as far as you could see of children giving their gifts that they made with their own hands to Elder Mother. And she got closer and closer. Elder Mother, I did not make this gift with my own hands, but I wanted to give it to you. An elder mother being blind, grabbed the gourd and placed it close to her heart. And she said, my child, although you did not make this gift with your own hands, I feel that it has a lot of power. And the girl, she helped her to take that gay lay off. And the lights, they shot straight up in the air. And they circled everyone in that village three times. One, two, three. And they shot into Elder Mother's eyes. Elder Mother stood there. And it was an udulation of joy for her eyes were open. And she said, do you see this child? Do you see this child? This child is a healer. She has made it so that I could see all the beautiful gifts that each and every one of you have brought here to me this day. Each of you, you have gifts. You were born with them. You must come to know them, to own them, and share your gifts with the world. All you have to do is this. Hold out your hands, child. Open up your heart, my child. Watch the sparkling lights fall as they dance across the water. I want you to do that with me. Here we go. Come on. Hold out your hands, child. Open up your heart, my child. Watch the sparkling lights fall as they dance across the water. Let me hear you. Hold.
You are God's sparkling lights. Thank you. story to tell. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change, all right? So when I say it's all right to rearrange, it's all right to make a change. Come on. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. It's all right to rearrange. Come on. It's all right to make a change. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. Come on. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to. The first rebellion in China was led by two sisters, Maija, Chong Chak, and Chong Nai. Vietnamese marched 80,000, shaking China to its knees. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. Sacagawea led Lewis and Clark. Lapalo, a Colombian seamstress spy with heart. Maria Mitchell, first US woman astronomer, studied comets and double stars, satellites around Jupiter and Mars. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. Come on, it's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. Deborah Sampson, well, she took a stand in the American Revolution. She posed as a man, a valiant soldier. She came to be, and this lady was discharged honorably. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. Faith Fuller literally reached the top. In 1890, mountain climber with a homemade up in stock. Amelia Earhart, well, she brave to fly, even hazardous roots. She winged through the sky. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to. Annette Adams, Charlotte Ray, Belvin Lockwood, all first in law. Helen Keller, an educator who never heard nor saw. And Gertie T. Corey won that Nobel Prize for the study of carbohydrate metabolism and enzymes. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. What? It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. Come on. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. From Florence Nightingale to Mother Hale. And the legacy goes on and on and on. Because you, my sister, and you, my brothers, are here to carry on our gifts. Our talents, not gender relied, but intuitively and intelligently applied. It's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make a change. Come on, it's all right to rearrange. It's all right to make. Come on, Mr. James. Y'all can put your hands together like Rory. Come on. It's all right to rearrange and it's all right to make a change. It's all right to 
right to make a change. What you say now? It's all right to rearrange, and it's all right to make a. Change. I don't believe you. It's all right to rearrange, and it's all right to make a change. Come on now. Make a change. All right. All right. All right. Yes, all right. To speak up. We had a wonderful class this afternoon or workshops, and the in part was the best of me. <laughs> when you were, we um, looked at some folk tales and talked about how we could use those folk tales. Um, we were talking about the moth a lot, and so the moth is, I don't know if you heard of it, a place where a story, and it's grown really big, um, where people, you can only tell personal stories, right? And they, it doesn't have a social justice agenda, but I want to, I've conceived, and I want to work through um, a, a different idea, and my idea is called the butterfly. And the butterfly, you know, of course, you know, it has transformational symbolism. But it means that you can tell historical stories. And you can tell folk tales, stories from the people, in order to engage conversations around what our needs are, what our community's assets are, and how we use the assets to, to, to fix and work with our needs, right? And so it's not just telling personal stories because people who are marginalized and people who are oppressed, they need to hear those stories of victory. They need to hear the stories of overcoming so that they too you know, can think about you know, what are the tools and what can we use, what's from our history. Let's look back, my, if you look at my dress, that's Sankofa. dress was made by uh, um, a sister and who lives in New Jersey, but her father was a tailor for um, Nkrumah. So. But this is um, Sankofa saying you look backwards in order to move forward, right? And so we, we need to be able to tell those stories of history. They are relevant. We need to be able to tell those folk tales, the, the stories that come from the people that teach the morals and the values of the people because they are relevant. You know, we're getting very confused about what's morally correct, what's true, what's alternately true, what's all, you know. So we need to tell these stories, right? So um, this stories I'm gonna tell, the two, two stories I'm gonna share right now are women who had, uh, who shared their, their gifts. Um, one of them, Ida, was packing her bags. She was on her way to Philadelphia. She was invited by Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, who was an orator and a poet, and is known as the mother of African-American journalism, Frances. But Ida was 37 years her junior. And she was packing her bag because Ida invited her, because Frances invited Ida to come to Philadelphia to a convention. But Ida was, as she was packing, she was trying to think, what am I going to leave 
in my newspaper, The Free Speech. What am I going to leave for my editor? And this is what she said. Eight Negro men lynched. Three for killing white men. Five for raping white women. No one in this section believes the old threadbare lie that Negro men white, rape white women. If the Southern white man is not more careful, a conclusion will be reached about his woman that is very damaging to their reputation. And she boarded the train. As the wheels rounded the tracks, the memories rounded her mind. And Ida went back to thinking about when she was 14 years old. When she was 14, you see, they used to court and they would sing courting songs. So all the men in the audience, you're gonna say, oh, Miss Liza, how I love you. Come on. Oh, Rory, you by yourself. I don't know what happened. I don't know how y'all courting. I don't know how anybody, y'all gonna get anybody like that. And it's old Miss Liza, okay? So it's, old Miss Liza, how I love you. Come on, guys, come on. If you loves me like I loves you, come on. No knife can cut our love in two. Okay. All right, I don't know if I heard your voice back there. Let's see you right. But all right, so here we go. So ladies, we have to answer them back, and I know there's more of us. And you're going to say, you might not understand the words of what they mean, but just repeat after me. You're going to say, grapevine, warp, and cornstalk filling. Now put your finger ring out, and you're going to say, I'll marry you if mommy and daddy's willing. And everybody say together, rabbit hop and long dog trot. Let's get married if they say not. Oh, that's what they would do. They would court at, at 14 years old, but not Ida. When Ida was 14, she was visiting her grandmother, and the letter came from Holly Springs, Mississippi. Jim and Lizzie Wells, dead from the fever. Well, Ida boarded the train to ride it back home to Holly Springs. And there wasn't any passengers' cars. It wasn't needed because of the yellow fever. And so there she was, just in the cargo car. And when it pulled up to Holly Springs, Mississippi, she was going to get off there. And, and even though the conductor, he was there, right there, and in the, in the carriage car there, and he said, don't get off here, girl. Don't get off here. I am the oldest of my siblings, and they only have me now. 
Well, Ida made out okay for a while with the $300 that her, that her father had left, but she found a job that was six miles away, and so that her grandmother would come and help take care of her, her, her siblings during the, during the weekday, and then in the weekends she would come back home and she would, she would work and, and, and she would you know clean, and, and until finally one of her aunts said, Ida, this is too much. I want you to move to Memphis with me. And so Ida, she did, she, she moved to Memphis and she got a new job and she would take the train and she would get on the train and she'd have her purse and think about her lessons for the day and you know the conductor would come by and he would say, tickets please. He didn't take my ticket. But then he came back. You'll have to move to the smoker car. Colors are not allowed in first class. Well, I was in the ladies' car, and I meant to stay. But he started to pull on my <laughs> He walked away, but then he came back with another and they lifted and pulled and pried. Well, I'd rather get off the train than go to the smoker car. And I knew. And that's when I won the lawsuit against the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad Company. But it was overturned by the Tennessee State Court. And that is when I knew that we must fight together for change. I'd rather die fighting and die like a dog or rat in a trunk. And my newspaper, the free speech, became my battleground. And my pen became my sword. And I wrote against the indignities of my people and made money while I did it. And I raised circulation from 400 to 1,400 in one year. But then the news came that would change the course of my life. You see, my good friend Thomas Moss had opened up a store right there around where the, where, where the railroad track boundaries have been. But white men there having a store only waiting for the opportune moment. And one day, black boys and white boys had a fight. And that evening, the mob gathered and they shot into Thomas Moss's store, into the people's grocery store, where Thomas Moss had been warned. And shots rang back. That evening, 31 Negroes were arrested. And that evening, they took Thomas Moss Calvin McDowell and Henry Stewart out on a switch engine train from behind the jail. They took them up into the woods and shot them to death mercilessly. And it was reported that it was asked, do you have any last words? And Thomas Boston, tell my people to go And our people started to leave in droves 
and those who stayed would no longer ride the railroad. But I was known as the princess of the press. And the superintendent of the railroad came to see me and to plead with me, to please ask our people to once again ride the railway. Did you know, Thomas Morris, a finer man never walked the streets of Memphis? I had come to understand the myth of lynching. And so I responded in my newsletter, leaving it as I boarded the train. Eight Negro men. Lynch. When Ida deported the train in Philadelphia, she didn't know that that would be her place of refuge for a while, for the mob had gathered once again and burned her offices and threatened her life upon her return. Ida B. Wells became America's voice for change and truth of knowing about the myths of lynching. She was America's anti-lynching campaign. She went to, to Britain and helped them organize and form an anti-lynching organization. And when she was back at home, her husband, her husband was her stall work supporter. He was the attorney general. And now she lived in, in Chicago and she was still traveling. She said that's for her children and she re re recommended or recommended them, you know, with this, this a look, don't know that And she said, I believe that I was one of the only women rendering political speeches and nursing babies traveling across the country. Ida B. Wells, when it came time to, to march in Washington in the, in the woman's right to vote, there was um, the delegations, you know, lining up with the head eyes for the sake of the southern white woman that all the Negro women marched in the back. And I so the Illinois delegation, when they passed, I be well was a champion of change. She wrote uh, statistics and about the truth of lynching. And she said to Frederick Douglass, I know the story so much, I tell it so much. I know it by heart. I'm only a mouthpiece. You know, so we can be mouthpieces for change. We just have to speak up, speak up. We can be mouthpieces to help others speak up, speak up. There was a time when she ran against Mary McLeod Bethune uh, for the National Association of Colored Women. Mary McLeod Bethune. Sweet potato pie, sweet potato pie. Please buy my sweet potato pie. You see, I have a mission. I have a goal. Mary McLeod was born July 10, 1875. She was the 15th child of 17, but she was the first one to be born free on their own land called the Olmstead. And she was one of the best at picking cotton. And she could work that new old bush. But there was something special 
her to go to that school. And Mary walked five miles every day barefoot to her prayers answer. And she stayed there until she couldn't go any further. But she wanted to learn so much more. She wanted to go to Africa to teach her people. But what was the use? They needed a new mule. But then there was a letter. And when she brought that letter home to her mama, and told her mama what was in that letter. Her mother said, my baby, my baby, she wanted, she won the scholarship to the Scotia Seminary School. And her mother took the, the, the tickets for the train ride and put it in the Bible for safekeeping. But then there was an issue as to what Mary was going to wear. They didn't have very much. And Mary said, Miss Wilson didn't choose me for pretty. She didn't expect that I'd take finery up there. But Grandma Sophia, you see, she had packed the treasure chest the day after emancipation. And whenever there was something a need in that family, Grandmama would go into that chest and she would pull it out. And this time, she pulled out a length of Lindsay Woolsey cloth, four pearl buttons, and some thread, and she said, now this will make a good dress. And us has got plenty of flower sacking for underwear. Now all of y'all, y'all quit fretting, cause Mary got on to that school in a manner that the Lord will provide. Everyone in the community came to see Mary off. And when Mary got to Scotia, do you know that her favorite building was named after her foremost quality? Faith, Faith Hall. You see, Mary McLeod 
had faith in God. She had faith in herself and she had faith in her people. When she graduated from Scotia, she won another scholarship to Moody Bible School. When she graduated from Moody, she was going down to sign up. There she was. She was going to sign up to be a missionary, go to Africa to teach her people. But they told her there was no blacks needed. Imagine that in black Africa. So Mary, she went on and studied in Atlanta, Georgia under the tutelage of Lucy C. Laney for a while. But Mary said, the drums of Africa, they still beat in my heart, and they will not let me rest. While there is a single Negro boy or girl who does not have a chance to prove his worth. And so with a dollar and 50 cent in her pocket, a sweet potato pie recipe and her Bible. She went down to Daytona, Florida, and she was married now, so she took her son Albert, and she started that school in the cottage with Albert and five girls, but it wasn't long before the whole community, they wanted to get that learning, adults and children, so she had to build a bigger school. And Mary found a garbage dump, and the whole community came out once again and helped her to clean that garbage dump off. The Rockefellers gave her some money. Madam C.J. Walker gave her $10,000. And one man in particular said, Miss Bethune, I will help you with your school, but you have to get rid of those sewing machines. His name was Mr. Singer. Mary was marching in the light of God, and we know that as a choice, that is a, a, a university that you can now go to Bethune-Cookman College, but we also know that there was people that didn't want Mary to build that school. They didn't want Mary to teach her people. I'm talking about men of ghost courage. And one day they came riding up to Mary's school when she was away working on the woman's right to vote. And the children inside, they were scared. And the teachers that were shaking that day, the men in the white sheets rode off. When Mary came back, they told her what happened, and Mary said, let them come back again. Let them come back one more time. And they did. This time, the KKK rode in with fire on their hands. The children inside were scared. The teachers were scared, and Mary said, no. Sing, children, sing. This little light of mine, come on. I'm gonna let it shine. Let me hear you. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Come let me hear you now with this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And Mary walked outside, and she stood outside against the big white columns at her school. Get off your horse and burn it down. Burn it down. And the KKK came with fire in their hands. If you must burn my school, then burn it. 
and I will build it again. And if you burn it again, I will build it again and again and again. And all the while, I'll be troubling the Lord about you and your evil deeds. You and your children. Those men just rode off into their own essence, their essence of darkness. Mary McLeod Bethune was marching in the light of God. One time, her, one of her students was very sick, and so she took the child to the hospital, put the child on the back porch, for colors are not allowed in the hospital. Well, Mary wanted to make sure that this would not happen to any of her students again. So what did she do? Anybody? Yes, she did. She built her own hospital, named it after her husband, Albert. Mary McLeod Bethune was marching in the light of God. And years later, she was sitting and she was talking to her son and she was listening to, to Roosevelt. And, and her son said, Mother, why should we leave the party of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln? And Mary said, son, Frederick Douglass has been dead for a long time, as has Abraham Lincoln. And we must be ready. We must be ready. I have seen the children from Bethune-Cookman suffering from disuse of their knowledge. I see boys and girls across the country who do not have the opportunity to learn to read. I have to be ready. Son, you think that I dream big. Well, I dreamt when I had you on my hip and I built that school. And I am still dreaming and I have to be ready. And she was ready. When President Roosevelt made her the first African-American woman to ever sit in a president's cabinet, and when she would have tea at the White House, one of the women said to her one time, oh, how nice of Mrs. Roosevelt to invite you. She responded, how nice of Mrs. Roosevelt to invite us all. Another day, she was walking down the hallway in the White House, and a politician said to her, Excuse me, auntie, but what are you doing here? And Mary responded, hmm, excuse me. Now let me think. Which one of my sister's children are you? Mary McLeod Bethune was marching in the light of God. This champion of change wrote each one of you into her legacy, into her will. She said, you can be a champion of change because I leave you love. I leave you faith. I leave you hope. I leave you the thirst for education. I leave you the desire to work with one another to better our humanity. Mary McLeod Bethune. All right, for our last little piece, we're gonna do this real quick. I, we're gonna have some fun. 
So you want to shake some instruments? I just need a couple of people to shake some instruments and play with Mr. James. This is going to be like just a little bit of fun, and we're going to close it out. Come on up and shake, shake, shake. It's just like a shaker. Shake, a shake, a shake, a shake, a shake. Um, Rory, why don't you come up and play the doom back? I'll give you the seat. There's a doom back right here. Somebody come shake a little bit right here, right here. Okay. Come on back up here. Join the band. Join the band. Mm -hmm. Okay. Going back. All right. Who else we got? How you doing? Shake bells. Take anything here. Shake away the bells. Now, see, because y'all didn't get to come up and play, the, now y'all have to be part of the story. Oh. You good? You good? No, you got to stay up there. Where you going? Okay, you got to join the band. So once upon a time, there was a mom and a pa. Come on, mom and pa. Come on, mom and pa. You're going to be right here. Yep. Mom and pa, mom and pa. And mom and pa, they were down on the farm. So the band, you know to play when your leader plays. So, you know, Mr. James. No, 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 you're down here with me. All right. So mom and pa. So mom and pa, they were on the porch, and they were rocking back and forth. Back and forth. Back and forth. And pa said, ma. 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 I'm going down to the sweet potato field. <laughs> I'm going down to the sweet potato field. Where are you from, up north? No, no you're not? Right? Say, I'm going on down to the sweet potato field. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> down to the sweet potato field, that's good. Down to the sweet potato field. And I'm going to pull up some taters. I'm going to pull up some taters. And Ma said, go on, Pa. Go on, Pa. So Pa went on down, and he picked one up, and he put it in a sack. And he picked another one up, and he put it in a sack. And he went down to get another one, but it wouldn't come up, no matter how hard he tried. And he pulled this way, and he pulled that way. And, he, and you know, men, when they need help, they call. Ma? <laughs> That's a question? That's a question? <laughs> he called Ma, and Ma said, I'm coming. I'm coming. Mm -hmm. She said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's a mighty big tater. That's a mighty big tater. But I can help you pull it up. But I can help you pull it up. All right, and turn on around. You're going to hold on to his waist just like that, right? And together, they started put, pulling on the tater, but it went like this. Pa was a pulling on the tater, uh-huh. Ma was a pulling on the tater, uh-huh. Pa was a pulling on the tater, uh-huh. Ma was a pulling on the tater, uh-huh. When I say uh-huh, y'all say uh-huh. Up in here, y'all ready? Here we go, here we go, here we go. Pa was pulling on the tater, uh huh. Ma was pulling, uh uh, uh uh. The sweet potato didn't come up, and so along came the horse and the donkey. You two, yes, yes, the horse and the donkey, yes. See, said there was animals on the farm, and they said that they could come and they could help out, so they came and they hooked on up, stay hooked up, turn, yeah. Here along came the horse and the donkey. And they hooked up together, and they started pulling on that tater. Come on. Pa was pulling on the tater, uh-huh. Ma was pulling on the tater. The horse was pulling on the tater. And the donkey was pulling on the tater. Uh-uh. That sweet potato did not come up. And the horse spoke in horse language. Nay. <laughs> and the donkey brayed in donkey language. Well, you could tell. They need a lot of help. Along came the cow and the pig. You two right there in the back. You two, come on. Along came the cow and the pig. Cow and the pig. They came on up. They hooked on up. And together, they started pulling on that tater. Come on. 
Pa was a pawn on the tater, uh huh. Ma was a pawn on the tater, uh. The horse was a pawn on the tater, and the donkey was a pawn on the tater. Well, the cow was a pawn on the tater, and the pig was a pawn on the tater. Y'all think it came up? No, it didn't come up. So the cow sang a four-line verse in cow language. Moo, moo. Yeah, I like that, right? right? Yeah. And, uh, and the pig squealed in pig language. <laughs> Woo, they need some help. So along came, come on, come on. Right now, here's the thing about this, right, y'all? See, that's a mighty big sweet potato. You know, it's huge. I mean, magnanimous. And I know you're cool, because I, you know, I went to school here at Couch. You know, I, you know, I'm alum. And so when I was here, you know, I'm cool. But you got to get down. Now, I don't mean get down when you my age, you might not get back up, get down. What I mean is you got a Michael Jackson, James Brown, you got to get down, or get down, all right? So hold, hold on up, here we go. So you know, you know, put a little roll, a little put something into it, okay? All right? Pie was pulling on the tater, uh -huh. The horse was pulling on the tater, and the donkey was pulling on the tater, and the cow was pulling on the tater, and the pig was pulling on the tater. Yes, the duck was bouncing on the tater, and the chicken was pulling on the tater. Well, you know what? They was getting down so much, like, it moved, but it didn't come up. It moved, but it didn't come up. And so the duck cried in duck language. Quack, 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 quack. Yeah. And the chicken was flapping and bellowing in the chicken language. <laughs> yeah. So... They needed the very best help in the world. Along came uh, a mouse. I'll take you, a mouse. Hey, can I have a baby? He's the only baby here. Come on up, come on, come on. Come on, come on. I need a mouse and the flea. And the, and the flea said, well, the mouse said, wait a minute. Say, wait a minute. Say, wait a minute. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> she really said in mouse language, okay. And, and, and she said, do you think you can pull it up? The flea said, do you think you can pull it up? Do you think you can pull it out? Everybody say, yes, we can. Yes, we can. And so they all got together. Can you just hold it right there? Hold on. And together, they started pulling on that tater. Come on. Pa was pulling on the tater. Uh-huh. Ma was pulling on the tater. The horse was pulling on the tater. And the donkey was pulling on the tater. Well, the cow was pulling on the tater. And the pig was pulling on the tater. Yes, the duck was pulling on the tater, and the chicken was pulling on the tater. Well, the mouse was pulling on the tater, and the flea was pulling on the tater. And that sweet potato, that sweet potato, cause the donkey was pulling on the tater. The community was pulling on the tater. And that sweet potato, that sweet potato came on up. So, doesn't matter how many different languages we speak. Doesn't matter whether our hair might be, whose hair is short, whose hair is long, whose hair is different colors. But when we come together, when we come together, no matter what the voice, when we put our voices together, all things are possible. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions at all? Anybody have any questions about 
Queen Noor. I'm queennoor.com, Q-U-E-N-N-U-R.com. I live in Willingboro, New Jersey, but I travel around the country, in the country, out of the country, telling stories with a drummer, Mr. James. Anybody got any questions for Mr. James? Can we give him a round of applause, please? Yeah. All right, no questions? Yes. The Hoppy Drum, H-A-H-A-P-I. Jacks when you were younger? Um, no. You didn't? Well, oh, he did. Yeah, he's shaking his head. Well, this is nothing but a ball that used to play jacks. It bounces, but it sounds great on here. These are called Colhounds. This one is from this one is from South America. The purpose of the all wooden head, thousands of years ago, Africans did not kill animals to put a skin head onto a drum. In some parts of Africa, the drums were made of all wood. The first drum that was made was nothing but a tree trunk. So I'm keeping up that tradition of all wooden drums. That's why we're taking it. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions at all? Yes? Did you say Sunjata? Or you, some people say Sundiata. And it's spelled different ways too because it's translated, right? So um, why, how do you say it? Well, I just had, I have an uncle named Sujata, so I was, oh, yeah. <laughs> you said Sun, Sunjata. Yeah, so I said, I, I think I said Sunjata. Sometimes I say Sunjata. Okay. Yeah, so. And it's spelled different ways because it's transliterated. Right? So, Molly, you can look them up. And, 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 and the beautiful thing is when my daughter was in, um, my youngest daughter, she was in uh, eighth grade at the time, um, when she heard Salif Keita. Have you ever heard of Salif Keita? If you go on to listen to music, Salif Keita is a direct descendant of Sunjata Keita, right? And he, um, he lives in Paris, um, and his music is a different language, but it is beautiful. And actually, so I, I, seen, I, seen, I seen him in DC a few years back, so he does travel inside of the country sometime. Salif Keita, check him out. He's a direct descendant. He's an albino. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you. Um, what are the stories that You know, what stories do you think should be told, right? And what stories, first I gotta say, what stories, everybody's needs are differently, are different, right? So um, I was at a conference, uh, not a conference, I was at a show, and a sister friend of mine was telling stories about, with the orchestra, about two enslaved Africans who were, ended up being returned through the door of no return, right? Um, it was funny because there was questions on the board that after they heard these stories and they told the, she told the stories about this and how they tried to run, run away, how one of them was beaten and wouldn't run away again. But anyway, one was a male and one was a female. And when she started telling her, this is Tahira, when she started telling her, there was an elderly woman. She's two rows in front of me. She got up and I knew the people in front of her and later they said that this woman said, this is disgusting. I wish I would have known or could have learned what was disgusting to her. What was it? Because it's still, let's open up the conversations. Let's talk. What is disgusting? Is it, the, is it just learning it? Or, or what is it to you? And let's talk about that. But on this board, it, it had a, it had a, um, a range. The, um, 
I heard the story, it doesn't have anything to do with me. The stories have nothing to do with me. But down to, um, I, I live this, I, and, and, and I work towards change, right? So there was a gamut in between. And there was a, a, um, a, a European, well, I guess he was, a, but no, he was from Germany. There was a guy originally from Germany, but in America. And he was, um, he was, he was right near the, the one where it said something, you know, more like, you know, I want to make change. He didn't say, I live this, but he said, I want to make change. And then he said, I'm here, but I don't know what to do. And it was myself and another friend, Dr. Reed, we talked about it and we really couldn't give that answer except for one telling stories because he had shared with her a story how he got stopped and felt like he was profiled. The way the guy was, is this your car? Is this really your car? And that happened with me. One, I was asked six times. I had to have, I have a BMW, uh, seven, and it's old now, but anyway. It was like a 745 and I was stopped and asked six, I've, I've been stopped, I've been handcuffed. Um, with my locks, I had locks. The locks got caught in the handcuffs. But he felt that he, he said, I can relate, I understand. I, 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 I can empathize, at least, right? So I was like, keep telling those stories and tell it to people who can't. When they say, but I don't know what to do, or what, what do we do about that? Then it's, it's tell the stories. And when you say what story, it depends who you're talking to. And it depends with the, what, what those needs are. So what are the stories that you think need to be told today? What do you think need to be told today? Or, or, or is there any way that you could use the stories that I told tonight? Or, or how could you use them? One story, take, take one of my stories. How, could you, how do you think you could use it? Any other stories, anybody? So I started with Sunjata Keita and talking about being paralyzed. Then, then, I, talked, then I told about uh, Oh, I just did a, the, the, um, that was just a little mixed change thing, just telling about different women who did things out, out the box. Then um, I told about two women and the last story. How can, is there any of them that you could use to tell in any kind of way? Yes. So it's making a way out of no way, right? And sometimes even when we go and we, and we look, and we might even look at it politically and say, How, what, what, what can we do with this politically? Can we make a way out of no way? You know, is it, is it, are there things that we can do? Because there were laws being made, there were laws against us, there were laws, there were laws of segregation, but we, we fought against those, right? So, and we told the stories and we, we gotta keep, t and that's why I think those stories are valid too. I think the historical stories are valid because they tell us that we, we are victorious and we can overcome, right? And then I think the folk tales, you know, whether you tell them to children or you tell them to adult, those animals, it was a fun story, but they were all different. But they came together for one thing, for one cause. So, that's my thought. What do you think, do you have any thoughts about? Anybody else? Sweet big sweet potato. Yeah. yeah, and we're dealing with a big sweet potato. It's huge. And that story actually, remember to the end of class, I talked about, um, will you tell stories from other cultures? That's a Russian tale about a turnip. But you know, it becomes black when I tell it. <laughs>
Yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and that story is, is, is useful. And, and just in raising voice, raising action, I think, right? You could use that there, you know? Anybody else? Okay, all right. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Work with the oppressor? Yeah, well, you have to work. What I'm thinking is you have to work against the oppressor, but you were talking about everyone working together. I was just wondering how you reconcile. Oh, how do you bring them to the table? So you're asking who needs to be at the table. Basically, that's what you're asking, right? And so the people that need to be at the, at the table are also the oppressors that need to hear the stories. There's a gentleman, and we were talking about this the other day with, with Rory. So telling the stories getting the stories to them before they even maybe get to the table. There's a, a, a man um, who, he's African-American, and he started to go to KKK members and say, you don't know me, you don't know my story. And he started to, to, to work with them and talk to them, and to some of them made change. Now, you know, that's a huge change. And it, so earlier today, somebody says it takes time. You know, sometimes it takes time, but Speak the stories, right? And then tell the stories and let them hear the stories so that they see us as, human, as humans and they see our humanity. When somebody wants to build a wall between people, when, when people wanted to want to say that, you know, Muslims cannot, you know, come into the country. I have another drummer from Senegal. He is a Muslim. I have a job in Canada. He won't go. He won't go. He said, Trump's immigration, I'm scared to go. So, so tell, one thing is to share those stories and tell those stories and not be afraid to ask people to come to the table, right? So it doesn't mean that everything's gonna be easy. And it doesn't mean when they come, they are gonna join in and bounce. It doesn't mean that. They might come in and pull the other way. But you keep telling stories and you keep working with it. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. And then the other thing about song, <laughs> Trump was in Philadelphia and he was supposed to come to my house. I live in New Jersey. And he got downtown, he lives on the outside of Philadelphia. He got downtown but he was right in the middle of, of where Trump was, Trump was coming. And so there's protesters on one side and there's police on the other side, and he's in the middle, and he has a drum. And so the cops are coming up to him with it, you know, getting ready to draw on him. And he's, he's like, no need, no need, no need for that, no need, no, no need for that. And I was like, you should have went home right away. He was still trying to get over to Jersey to get to me. Um, but all of that, and they were like, just, and he was like, this is a drum, I'm, I'm a musician, I'm just trying to make music, try to make people happy, you know? Um, and he looks, he has very long locks, but he looks more Jamaican than he does African. 
I, I, I think he, and he, and he had almost one of um, that color hat too. So I think the police might have been thinking he was more Jamaican, but if they knew he was a, a Muslim, he would have been done for nothing. Just, you know what I mean? For, not, for, no, for no reason. Because he had the confrontation three times with officers just trying to get a bus in the middle of all of that. It's, you know, so we have to, we do have to come together and we have to share and tell our stories. And we don't know the stories of others. That's how come I said I would like to know from that one. I don't know whether that one was, was a racist, but I think it was more of that than some other kind of discussed, why she was discussed. But I, I'd like to know, what is that story? What is that? I, I really would like to know. And then I think there's something she needs to hear as well. You know, we need to share our truths. Anybody else? Anything storyteller? Okay. All right, I guess we're good. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, and thank you all for being here. <laughs>